sister Keisha D and have a kiki about Black History Month. Jason was not able to be with us, but after you listen to the conversation with me and Keisha, Jason and I will have a conversation about it as well for you to enjoy and experience. So why don't you tell me what Black History Month means to you? Well, you know, first of all, I continually say that it's American history. Black people happen to be a part of it. That's a good and point. affected by it. But this is American history. But see, that what you said there is very important to me because what I've discovered, and so it just a little bit in comparison to the um, Black History Month, I meant to do some research on why Black History Month is in February, but maybe you know the answer to that. But Black History Month, for me, the way that I see it, is not Black History Month. African Americans or blacks celebrate their heritage every single day of the year. And that's, that's the distinction I see. Like gay pride, we have our pride once a month, and it doesn't even celebrate our history. It's just about dancing in the street and drinking and... Yeah, and it has nothing to do with... I, you know, I, I mean, look, I'm pride is pride and happy and whatnot, but, you know, I say it all the time. Gay, lesbian, pride, LGBT pride. Those forefathers, those, those Harvey Milk, Martin Luther Kings, um, that fought for equality for all, that wanted to see people... They, that their purpose wasn't so that you could make a mockery of it. Right. Be happy, be proud. That's fine. But sometimes, even in the Black History parades and the Black History events, you lose sight of what's really going on, what's really happening. There should be more public speaking at these events, people speaking about the past and how we came to where we're at today. That's much more important to me than an African outfit or an African song or a black song. Even me, singing um, music by African-American artists, there's still a story that needs to be told. And on um, when I do my show on the um, 18th, it's going to be out of the format that it normally is, which is just singing. Every now and again, I'll say something witty. Uh-huh. But this time I'm going to say, you know, Bessie Smith came out of the clubs or came out of the woodwork and trying to get into these clubs. And she was, in spite of oppression, in spite of being told, no, you can't sing here, you can't drink from that fountain, you can't walk into this place because of the color of your skin, her songs were comedic, funny. Black music had so much rhythm and dance and laughter and funny and tongue in cheek and poking fun and be and and it just always makes me so uh, it's so interesting to me how in spite of all that they were just so lively. Was that based on the fact of? 
countering oppression. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved it the other night, or it was last week, I guess it was, when you chose Bessie Smith as the song. And I loved it. And, and Jason was sitting next to me and he was kind of confused. And I go, listen to it. Mm -hmm. She picked it for a reason. And that's why I get so... Let me back up a second. When you're saying, you know, oftentimes even in, in the um, the um, Black History Parades and things like that, you said, we forget. The one thing that I'm having a problem with with regard to gay history is I think it's the older gays who remember because we've been through the battle. We were in the trenches. And it's the young gays who, number one, they don't even care to remember. And then when you try to educate them, it's kind of like, oh, you're just Whatever. an, you're just you're an just old an older, person. You're, yeah. you're, yeah. Right. So say, even in the Black History parades, mm -hmm. we, do you mean everybody we, or do you mean the young? I mean, because you raised your children knowing black history, right? I did. Um, but I say all of us because, I mean, you, you, you just, I work a lot. I've been trying to work with a lot of the people in the black community, the chamber or whatever. It's just such a, it's just like so hard pushing through to keep the old stuff alive or keep that stuff memorable, the memories. The saddest thing was Martin Luther King celebration, that celebration of life thing that they had back in January. When the auditorium is filled with mostly white people, um, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I expected my gay brothers and sisters to be there. I invited them. I made an event. I put it out there on my social media, just like I do all my other shows. Mm -hmm. Do I not appreciate someone coming to see me at Copa, at Trunks, at Purple Rope? Heck yeah. I make my living that way without everybody coming. I don't work, right? But I come out to pride. I don't come out to pride and sing on that stage for my health. Right, right. I don't come and sing on that, oh, I'm going to make so much money today, or I'm going to. No. I'm there to show a face of pride. I'm a, I'm a vessel that day on that stage singing those songs on, on that pride stage. I'm a vessel to represent something that I'm, okay, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. But I don't care. That's not the point. The point is, we are. I am you. You are me. We are, we should be one. And the only way we're going to do that is to show up and be present. Why do you think that you're full, you're so em, embodied with pride? I mean, was that something that was instilled in you, or is it because of Black pride History for, Month and oppression? Pride for anything. Pride for me? Oh man! You know, I grew up in the Christian church. I grew up hearing a lot of bad things about other people that were not like us, and I never bought into it. So I got in a lot of trouble all the time. Okay. Teachers didn't like me. When I was in Bible school and I was raising my hand asking, I really don't understand if we're supposed to help one another and love our neighbor and we can't control who our neighbor is, then all of a sudden our neighbor is gay. What happens? Well, I, I mean, uh, you, I mean, you know, you, you treat them uh, uh, nicely because you know that's what God wants. But I mean, certainly not embrace their lifestyle. Absolutely. Certainly not embrace their 
There are ways. I mean, say hello, and then try to witness to them. Try to help them see the light. Be nice to them, and also judge them at the same time. It yeah. makes no sense. Right. That's nowhere in the Bible. The, what, you, what these people are pushing is uh, their own uh, insecurities or fears. or I don't know. I can't answer for right. the homophobes in the world or the people that hate blacks, yeah. for that matter. I don't understand that. All I know is my mom and dad, even though we were in, going to the same church, there were certain things that my parents just would not allow. Yeah, I know pastor said that, but <laughs> you love, we love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, set this person to the That's side right. because of who they are. That's right. If you are a pedophile, if you are a murderer, I'm going to hate your guts. And I probably am not going to speak to you. And yes, I'm going to judge you. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm not judging you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's good that you had parents like that because my parents were the same way. That, you know, when I came out and, and they went to church as well. And I go, Mom, why do you go to a church that hates me? Yeah. And she goes, I go to talk to my God. Right. In, and she has to be in a, you know, a church. But she goes, I just let a lot of the things go in one ear and out the other. You do. I, I was trying to find a religion that accepted me for who I am. And what I ended up discovering in the process is is that I don't want to be governed by an organized religion. I don't want somebody telling me what I can do, what I can think, whatever. So now I've embraced the concept of karma. And that means I wake up every morning and I decide to be what kind of person I'm going to be for myself and with those with whom I encounter. But you know what's interesting is, is that, and I think that's probably a good time for me to introduce what I was going to introduce to you about you don't understand why people can have a hatred or a fear of black people or gay people or something like this. So I don't know whether I told you the story. We, Jason and I talked about it on a podcast um, that's going to be coming out, not in a lot of detail, but when I was in high school, um, I don't know if I told you this, but I graduated when I was 16, so I graduated a year early. And I went to Morris High School, which is a, was a predominantly black high school. I was bussed in, if you can believe it. Really? Yeah. And so it was, it was quite the dangerous school. I mean, we had foreign exchange students coming in, and the black groups would um, throw acid in their hair. We had this one girl, her name is Lori, and everybody knew she had a big mouth. And <clears throat> she was in class, and they were arguing amongst themselves. And, but Lori didn't know that. And so one told the other one to shut up really, really loud. Well, Lori, with her big mouth, got really upset with them and started dressing them down and all that stuff. Later on that um, week, uh, Lori was lured into the girls' bathroom, and they razor blade her. And so she was transferred to another school, and it was kept secret. Okay, so that's them. One day, I was walking down the um, the corridor. They were inside corridors that you know went to the out, and we all just sort of marched in step, going to the next class. And what was interesting to me was is that I usually walked with my head down because I was just thinking or whatever. But I saw in front of me there were like three black guys, and they were walking backwards. But it never registered with me or anything. And so, all of a sudden, I felt like I had rammed into a brick wall. 
And when I had discovered that one of them had punched me so hard on the side of my head, I went down and I was on my knees. I just knew I was going to be killed or something. Fortunately for me, they stopped because the black student body president was right there and stopped them. That part didn't register with me. The part about being almost killed by this group of black students registered with me. Every day I would go home and I would cry, thinking tomorrow's the day I'm going to be killed. I would sneak around to get to classes for fear of being beaten up or whatever. So not only was it the incident, but it was a year of this that I had to go through it. So psychologically, it's internalized. With all that said, I never hated anybody because I don't hate anybody except for the fool in the White House. But I feared, I was scared, and what I ended up doing was a broad brush from this incident over a whole culture. Absolutely. And I went around, I was terrified, scared, afraid. Ultimately, after I broke up with Jerry, I ended up living in Oakland on Lake Merritt where I learned to heal. And I don't carry that fear around with me anymore. I don't carry that anger around with me anymore because I learned that I can't just project a feeling around one group or an incident on a whole culture. And that's why I celebrate Black History Month is because that's my inspiration, my healing. So for me, Black History Month means something totally different, but something very similar. Well, the sad part is with this whole story is, it's, it's, I understand what you went through in school. I was tortured, terrified, beat up, cursed at, called a white girl, called an Uncle Tom, had my hair pulled out, told they were going to cut my face by a black girl. By your family. All the time. Yeah, wow. Black guys would call me purple, a spook. I was too black. My hair was too short. I was a ugly. Black guys would look me in the face and literally say, "You are, you're ugly." Really? And laugh about it. Black girls would say, "What are you looking at?" I'd be like, "What?" This is how she talks. She thinks she's white. <laughs> We're gonna kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna beat the white out of you. I go. I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't even know what they were talking about. Yeah. I didn't even understand what they meant. I'm talking white. I didn't, I, I don't understand that. I tried my best to talk a certain way and wasn't mm -hmm. even sure what that was supposed to be. Right, exactly. Do you think that that... I got hit in the face for talking white. Was it a predominantly black school as well? No. Um, there was a handful of us in a private school, but oh, those wow. black girls were bitches. Wow. Everybody was afraid of them. So you had pretty much... So doesn't that internalize in you emotions or whatever, I, I, for lack of a better way to put this, against your own people for doing this to I'm you? I'm going to tell you, there were times in my life, as a young person now, mind you, now, and you understand how that is, trying to, trying to figure this out, right? And I would really, literally get home, look at myself in the mirror, and I would tell God, I really hate you. This is so unfair. Why did you have to make me black? Why? All the people in the world, why me? 
I don't want to be black. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want people to think I'm those girls. I don't want to be beat up by those girls. I'll, I hate this life. How did you work your way through that? I left school. <laughs> you I did, mean, I graduated. You, you, did, know? you did the same thing I did. I, I graduated, graduated a year early. And, and you know what, it, what's interesting about that, for me anyway, is that it sort of was a, it was a stain on me for so long because graduating early at 16, I was very immature, I got a full scholarship to Pepperdine Malibu, I screwed that up and was kicked out because I was crying all the time. Same thing at UCSD. So I had to sort of make my way in the world at such a young age where I didn't even know what being gay was. I didn't even know what sex was. And so I had to figure all these things out. And what's interesting is, is that I thought I was the only person in the whole wide world who was like me and that there was something wrong with me when I didn't even realize on the other side of the United States we had the Harvey Milk and we had all these people who were fighting for me. I didn't even know what I was. How did your parents, did you ever talk to your, your parents about what you were feeling? No. Not really. I mean, they would know I was upset. And my mom would always say, girl, just let that stuff roll off your back. Girl, everybody's... My mom's a tough cookie. You know, crying is just doesn't affect her. You know, like... Uh -huh. me. <laughs> you know, she's yes. like... And? You know? But it's kind of not fair. Suck it up. It's not fair to us, though, because I went to my parents and said... This is what's happening, and I need to get out of the school. I want you to transfer me to yeah, another school. Yeah, I was going to ask you. And they wouldn't because they didn't understand. So, you know, it was kind of like, oh, okay, you'll get over it and stuff. So they didn't understand what I was going through. But interestingly enough, when it came time for my brother to go to that school, they sent him to a different school. They sent him to the Catholic school. And I and I, I, I don't know exactly why they they chose to do that with him. Maybe they sort of woke up or maybe they wow, they wow. realized or whatever. Right. Well, so that's interesting because I had the same. When it came time for my sister to go to school, the high school and whatnot, she got to go to public school. Hmm. Where it's more diverse and there's just more to offer and more... I said, wait a minute. I, know. <laughs> I suffered. I was sexually abused by my teacher in fifth, fifth through seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I be at this place, you know. But that's interesting because then that brings us all the way back to this thing about learning lessons. Again, we were in our own ways. We fought the battle for other people in your in my particular case for our younger siblings that, but, say it that's but, right but my brother will never recognize no. never recognize um that uh, right now i think what is what has caused me why i'm not just a hot mess and maybe i am don't know it my little sister was everything is everything to me so I told her a lot of, don't do this, don't do that, watch out for this, watch, I mean, I was very protective, we're 12 years apart. Uh -huh. But what, the, the, the moment I really let it all go was when I threw my children, because I'm so open with them. Yeah, yeah. I don't hold back. They know my good 
things I did, they know the bad mistakes I made. Back in the day, parents didn't say they, right. were, they were bad kids. That's right. Your parents are like, oh, we never, oh, you lie. We never recognize the, 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 the flaws in our children or whatever. I said, ooh, I did this, I did that, I made this, I did that. Why am I telling you this? I don't want you to do it. Oh, and by the way, if this or this or this or this or this happens to you, you come to me right away. I have your back. Yeah, exactly. You do? Yes. Mom, why are you telling yourself this? They would be like, nothing's happening. I says, great. But if it does, that's right. Don't be sitting around. Oh, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to tell mom. Because we learned back in the because day. We learned that if we tell our parents something, they just sort of brush it off like be tough or. Right. And I don't know I what to do, so I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen that way. Yeah. Just because that went down with me, I'm stopping that. I'm squashing that. This that behavior stopped with me. Yeah. I could have put it on to my kids. My mom acted just like her mom. Yep. And that's one of the and things. And I made yeah. it stop with this. You one. got off the merry-go-round, and that's exactly what I tell my clients. When they start saying, my, my parents were this way or whatever. Okay, first of all, they were doing the best they could with what they knew. Mm -hmm. But now try to take it back a generation and think, where did they learn the best they knew with what they knew? It was from their parents as well. So somebody's got to get off the merry-go-round and stop the and cycle. And stop pointing fingers and crying about it and get over it. And it's not going to change. You getting hit by that black guy is never going to change. That's right. So you can still see every black person. Huh, huh, huh. I could still see every black you know, and go, huh, huh, oh my God. Yeah, right. Or you can say, oh, there's a, I know that person. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, not sure if I know that person, but hey, how are you? That's right. Baby steps of knowing them. Cool, we're cool. Right. And I'm not going to judge you before I get to know you. I'm not going to use, because a lot of one of the things that I really did learn, and one of the things that I really try to convey to my clients is, we see everything through the through the filter of our past experiences. And that's what I did for so long mm -hmm. until I realized when I had to walk, walk to work. Because uh, when we, Jerry and I moved to the Bay Area, he said he we were driving over the on the freeway, and he pointed to Oakland, and he goes, "That's Oakland. You never go in there." Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't understand what he meant, but I I, I I soon learned. But the irony of it is, is that I had my best experience living by myself in Oakland. Walking to work, I lived in the gentrified area, but you walk two minutes and you're in another area. I had to walk through downtown Oakland and stuff. And I soon learned that people I encounter are all different. Yeah. They're not these people who almost killed me in high school. They're not that person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every black person or black female that I met is not the girl that talked to me about my ugly hair and pulled my hair and pushed me down and that you knock my teeth out. That's not, you right. know. So, you, so in essence, you almost have a similar feeling about Black History Month as I do, about it being mm -hmm. kind of a liberating experience mm -hmm. of realizing. And, and, and that's the reason why I wanted to talk about it on, on, on this thing, but what I'm really trying to do in the podcast is I want to start also 
sharing gay history with people because they don't they don't know it. It's kind of like when you sang the Bessie Smith thing. Can you believe this? Jason's never seen Lady Sings the Blues. And we actually, he had never seen Mahogany. I made him watch it last night. And he was going, that's why that drag queen wears those lips. Or, you know, Diana Ross was such an influence on so many people and so beautiful. He couldn't get over how gorgeous Diana Ross was. And she's playing this model, Mahogany. She's gorgeous. Even to this day, she's gorgeous. But yeah, she was an influence on a lot of gay people and drag queens and... And so, when you sang Bessie Smith the other day, he had no idea the meaning. He will when he sees Lady Sings the Blues, because I don't even think he knows Billie Holiday. Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And Take Nobody's Business was a Bessie Smith song. Mm -hmm. That's, I thought you were going to sing that one, too. This episode is brought to you by Pyromedia Network. Pyromedia Network is a progressive moving platform to give a voice to those who feel don't have one. PMN's core mission is to provide a safe and positive creative space for creatives to flourish to their highest potential. For more information, please visit www.pyromedianetwork.com. What's the newest with your scholarship? Because that's almost been a year, right? Yes. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't checked on how much money has been raised. Okay. I know a lot has been raised because... Uh, Ellen Goodman has said, wow, you're doing really well. Okay. But she also said to me, you need to do more. So we're yeah. going to step it up and start doing uh, some more events okay. at different locations and different things. I might even call on the drag know. community to know. come in and do a one-nighter fundraiser uh, where they Absolutely. can uh, you know, help me bring in uh, you know, a few bucks. <laughs> for the kids but yeah it's going really well and we're looking at some candidates already because we're getting close to the end of the year what's or it school year what's it it's called the Keisha D Music Scholarship Fund okay. and it's through Palm Springs Unified School District right. Foundation so when you go on to uh, PS Palm Springs PS Unified U PS U Palm Springs Unified SD and you can't even just go, people can just go com. there and donate. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We want the people to know that. Yeah. It's it's an amazing uh, thing, and it's changing lives, and it's helping families that just, you know, could not afford to get everything that they need. Gotcha. So, and then just going into this, give me a little, um, how did you feel? How's it feeling? Are you still on that high Mm -hmm. It's been three weeks. From the star. Wow. From your star. Yeah, I'm still tripping. And I, <laughs> <laughs> when they first came to me with it, I was so not really wanting to do that. And right. I kind of told them, you know, I'd rather pass mm -hmm. on on something like that. I just thought. And they kind of didn't like you, did they? I would rather just maybe raise money <laughs> for the foundation. You know, oh. I go, man, you know, that right. kind of money for the foundation would be incredible. True. But uh, they kind of said, that's nice, and we were, hope you do that. We'd love to help you do that. But, um, but this is this. this is what we're doing. <laughs> well, I love it. It's amazing. And, I, uh, I was walking yeah. downtown yesterday and got to see it for the Did first time. Did you see time. it? <laughs> I've been challenging well, people. When you get down there and you see it, take a picture and oh, post it or send it, it to okay. me. Or Certain people have said I'll they've sent it to time. me on Messenger or they've sent it to me on Facebook. Yeah. I said, here I am, girl. 
uh, spitting on your star. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> spitting on it. Oh, my goodness. So, anyways, how fun. So, we did this. We just decided this is our episode for this month. Wow. So, we want to put a lot into it. Cool. We have to re-record this, obviously, but it's sure. fine. It's, yeah. Everything happens what it's supposed to what happen. It's supposed to happen, yeah. So, um, so, I know you said before, but just give me a second mm-hmm. about what strange fruit means to you. Oh my gosh. I mean is that is that an impossible question? It means <laughs> a lot because, you know, my I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be raised alongside I haven't even had my mom and dad, but my grandparents mm-hmm. on both sides until I was into my forties. Wow. Most people don't even know their grandparents a lot right. of times. So um the stories that I heard went right along with this song I'm singing. My grandparents witnessed or had friends that lost a son that hung or was hit by a so-called quote-unquote speeding car by a white man who said, oh, I was chasing something else or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was (laughs) strange dealings going on. So I, I heard firsthand about my ancestors being discriminated against and my, you know, grandparents knowing someone, my grandmother, I believe it was, knowing someone directly who had this happen to their son and they had to cut him down. Wow. Yeah. So it means a lot to me. You know, I think I remember telling you this, but maybe not. Like, that's um, that's one of my favorite things that Mark Jeremy inspires me. Yeah. And he'll give me such a hard time about, you haven't seen... Mahogany, you haven't seen ladies things the blues, but guess what? We all Yeah, it all comes about when it, we're when supposed to. When you're supposed to, yeah. It's such an amazing mm-hmm. touching. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those are iconic uh, movies that set a precedence for black people in general. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I I so many so many movies that were made about the south and about um, slavery and Ugh. hatred. So is this something Sickening. that's is this something that's in your repertoire a lot? Would you no, say? It's no. Not and all I the actually okay. and I actually say to people, okay, it's February, it's Black History Month, and I'm going to do this number. Okay. Okay, I've done it at the Purple Room, normally in February. Uh, Monday, this coming Monday, I'm not going to do it at all because I'm going to do all um, love songs. But uh, the following, I will again bring it back, and I'll do it for the next, you know, couple more. Very nice. Monday nights, and I'm there, and then I put it away. It's enough. It's not something that has to be uh-uh. overdone uh-uh. whatsoever. It's enough. It's enough for me. You make your statement. Yeah, I get I, I get a little heavy hearted from it. <coughs> so. Okay. Well, let's yeah. take it away. What do you think? Can I, I sit here? You want to hear it? Or do you want me to get up and just kind of... It doesn't matter to you uh-uh. either way? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Southern trees bear a strange fruit Blood on the leaves And blood at the Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. 
strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scene of the gallant south. Them big bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. Scent of magnolia clean and fresh. Then the sudden smell of burning flesh here is a fruit for the crows to pluck for the rain to gather for the wind to suck for the sun to rise for the leaves to drop here is a strange and bitter crop not sad <laughs> i love it i just have goosebumps <laughs> I love it. I love it's sad it. to think that that took place. Mm. But wow. it's glad to know that we are moving forward and in a better place. Not the best, but in a much better place than we were back then. Absolutely. That's all I can say to that. Okay. Is that it? Well, um, gosh, we could sit and record and kiki forever. But <sighs> both these divas have busy schedules. <laughs> Well, you know. You got somewhere to get. I got to get ready for a show tonight. Oh, you're going to um, be so cute. I'm excited. I have some lovely new things to try <laughs> from the Mesquisha D collection. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, now that I know, I'll be bringing more. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks this for is a, having a me. a year in the making. Uh, it's amazing. Let's just get making it amazing. It's been an amazing <laughs> beginning of the year for me with the star, American Cancer Society just Gave me an award for my I service, and yeah. uh, now GED saw that came too. out with the entertainer. So I'm happy. All right, makes me happy. Well, on behalf of Beauty and the Shrink, thank you so much, Miss Keisha. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. We're so blessed and lucky and happy to know you and show see love, all everybody. This going on and everybody say love. Yes, show love. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you all later. Signing off for now. I think to begin with, it's important to recognize that Keisha D is one of our closest friends. And unfortunately, Jason, you weren't there, and Keisha and I went to lunch. It was very enlightening for the two of us to talk, different tangents. What was it that stood out for you in the conversation? Because I know what stood out for me. That she was treated the way she was. In school, in high school, I really, that was kind of a, um, a really unknown to me. I didn't really realize that happened. Black people could be mean to black people. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that's just ignorant of me a little bit, but I mean. It's not ignorant. It's And the reason why it didn't surprise me as much as it surprised you, because 
I had a client probably about 15 years ago when I was doing my internship at the drug and alcohol rehab place. It was an elderly black woman who's now a friend of mine, actually. And we would talk about her memories of being told as she was going through life that she wasn't black enough. And this was even told to her by her sisters. Hmm. So when I heard Keisha saying this, I heard it double. It was, it was kind of the same type of story in school where Keisha was saying she's an Uncle Tom or, you know, they were saying that she wasn't black enough or the boys were calling her unattractive or whatever she, she even said. She said, you know, too, like she was too black. Too black. At some point, I mean. Right. I the boys were saying she was... around that. Yes, the boys were saying she was too black. The girls would say she was too not, white. Yeah, Uncle Tom. Wow. And then, last Thursday, when I was at your um, drag karaoke, I was talking to our dear friend, Tia. Mm-hmm. And I was giving her a little bit of information about my talk with Keisha, and then my memories of talking with my ex-client, who's now my friend, and Tia was saying, I went through the same thing. They were wow. telling me that I wasn't black enough, <laughs> or I was acting bougie, is what she said. And it suddenly struck me, and I don't, kn- I don't know this, but putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, I asked Tia, it seems to me that the piece of the puzzle or the thread that goes through this is the fact that your parents all taught you to speak correctly or to handle yourself in a certain way. And Tia said, yes, they taught us to be ladies. Mm. And apparently to be a lady in black society you shouldn't be. Means you're not acting black enough or you're, you're not an ghetto, uncle Tom. quote unquote ghetto enough. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm telling you what, what I was going to tell you. I, it's got to be true just the. You and Tia and Keisha are all within a 10 year range of each other. The same generation, yeah. So I'm 15 less than you because in my experience in school, there was. I've told you, but now I want. For this, I want to share. There was a handful of black kids that I went to school with. And I guess they were kind of the, um... And I was telling you this the other day, but then there was one that popped into my my mind. Trina Jones. And she was pretty light-skinned, and she had a big mouth, and she was always suspended, and always in fights, and always whatever. So she's really the only girl that I experienced. And she was just, you know, the stereotypical... But now I'm wondering... If she was getting that, that she wasn't, right. she was too white, or she wasn't black enough, or she was, which makes me think like, wow, maybe that's really what that was. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's, I, I do believe, because I was thinking about it earlier, that it's kind of like a generational type thing, because we all are, not you, but T and Keisha and I are sort of in the same generational type thing. And... I know that my client, my friend's mother taught her how to do high tea and 
and all the rest of these things. And I don't want to say taught her to speak white, but like be a human being. But like it's kind of like, you know, learn me. English correctly. Right. And that was one of the things when I went to high school that I wasn't subjected to because I heard a lot of ghetto. I heard a lot of nastiness. I heard a lot of brutality from the black individuals that scared me. That's why I came out and shared with Keisha that the reason why I celebrate Black History Month is because I was able to get past my internalizations of fearing. Yeah.